0: Welcome to this week's Bridging the Gap podcast, um, and uh, we're following up from Dave's sermon on Sunday on the latter half of Hebrews ten. Uh, just to let you know, if you listen into that sermon, if you weren't there, um, you will hear about lettuces and mushrooms. So it's a very vegetarian <laughs> sort of sermon. Uh, <laughs> so see, so- whenever I saw mushrooms in like the script, <laughs>
1: Amy said to me yesterday. It's been so long since whenever i haven't had my hair cut my head looks like a mushroom <laughs> because it grows really long on the top and then at the sides it's short so i, look, I have like that's, a mushroom head at the moment.
0: that's, that's quite brutal
1: it, well i mean feedback honest feedback you know whenever someone just, you love gives you uh tasks things to do you listen and obey because <laughs> you love them
0: <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I don't want to get in the way of that one. But, yeah. you know, I just, I'm just i just jealous of anybody with a full head of hair. But um, <laughs> oh. uh, in any case, uh, for those listening, in case you're wondering what on earth we're talking about, if you didn't hear the sermon yet, uh, the lettuces were about the let us, let us, let us, let us urgings in uh, in that part of the passage. Eventually, I gave up and just started saying lettuce. <laughs> well, thing, I think your Northern Irish accent helps there because let us, let and lettuce yeah. sound the same. If you're Welsh, so. it's lettuce. Yes. Or English, anyway, I guess. If you yeah, yeah, lettuce and lettuce sound a bit different. But anyway, that's where the lettuce has come from. And then the mushroom was um, Mario, the Mario Kart. Kart. Yeah, the wee Magic Mushroom. So when were you play a Mario Kart? I mean, like the, I, I was around when that first came out. The original. I mean, I've, I've played Mario Kart to this day. <laughs> um, I think probably when I was 14, we had a Wii. Are we uh,
1: uh, oh yeah i know <laughs> oh, we, we. We. very good yeah so loved a bit of mario kart and sort of amy although i always beat her
0: <laughs> i played that for a long time missing um, out anyway we we should probably move on shouldn't we we're doing yeah. yet an, another very long drawn out Intro. open into this podcast yeah so get into the the really important thing and uh, to, to the passage that you preach from dave um What do you think it looks like to have confidence? That was a key word in that passage, confidence in our relationship with God. So uh, verse 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, he goes on, what does that confidence look like? Yes,
1: I think whenever you hear the word confidence, maybe it's just me perhaps, but our mind drifts to two sort of extremes. So we think of confidence like arrogance. You know, whenever we meet someone who is really confident, perhaps overconfident in their own gifts and abilities, we think that they're arrogant. So, we can think wrongly that confidence means having a swagger or a lack of reverence towards the Lord, or we think that confidence is completely impossible. How can one be confident coming to the king of the universe who knows all things and sees all of my sin? You know, I I never feel like I'm doing enough and I feel like a constant disappointment. But I think what confidence looks like is knowing that despite our feelings and struggles, that the Lord Jesus blood has cleansed us. Confidence looks like total and utter reliance on Jesus. Knowing we can read our Bibles, pray and be confident that we will hear from God and he will speak to us because yeah. the Lord Jesus sent his spirit and he's in heaven interceding on our behalf. So mm. confidence looks like faith.
0: Yeah. And it's it was as you were saying that, and reading that verse again, it's making me think of the 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 anchor that we have that we heard previously yeah. from, from Steph. That there's you know, confidence to enter the most holy place. In a sense, we've already entered. In another sense, we have to keep approaching, and that's mm-hmm. what our daily walk of faith looks like, doesn't it? Yeah. And that the confidence looks like all those things you listed. I think that's great. Yeah. So to pick up on another phrase, um, verse twenty-two, uh, the first letters. Uh, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. How does a person draw near to God? How can you know whenever you're drawing near to God? What does that look like for a Christian? Well, something we've seen lots of times in Hebrews
1: is a bit of a theme. So in 416, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace. Uh, 725, uh, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him. Uh, 116, this coming week. (laughs) without faith it is impossible to please him for he who draws near to God must believe that. So drawing near isn't a physical act. It can't be done anywhere. You can't say, okay, whenever you go to, uh, with, you're drawing near to God. It's a direct, directing your heart towards the Lord in whatever you do. Yeah. Uh, and actually this isn't a Hebrew thing. This is a gospel thing. One Peter three, uh, for Christ died, for sins once for all the just for the unjust in order that he may bring us to God Ephesians 2 18 through Christ we have our access in one spirit to the Father so we're that's what the gospel wins us for we can draw near to God so there may be times when you're specially aware suppose that you've drawn near to God so that might be going to a conference it might be particular sermons or particular songs but it is an attitude of the heart I wonder how different it would be if I, we, came along the church to life groups and in those times, in preparation, we prayed that God would draw near to us. So yeah. I suppose the, the short answer to the question is it's an attitude of the heart. And uh, sometimes you'll know it because the Spirit specifically blesses you mm. in that moment.
0: And when you were saying that about there have been special times sometimes that you're conscious of it and going to a conference i mean that that reminds us doesn't it the corporate aspect of this you, know, you say let yeah. us draw near and he he majors a lot on that doesn't he the, the sermon writer that we yeah. need to do this together yeah not give up meeting together etc yeah corporately draw near as well
1: yeah and again i mean i said it on sunday didn't i that you draw near to something that you enjoy and that you're thankful for in light of what christ has done for you so it's a uh, you get to do this but also you have to do it because well because of who
0: the lord is yeah so yeah i i hope i said that on sunday yeah my recollection was you did because we we something else we talked you were in clinician
1: it? on sunday so you have no idea what i
0: said well no i know i listen back yeah very good then. you're very not gonna good. catch me up like that as <laughs> if i do the podcast if i haven't listened back dave but as, if, I, as um, if i've ever done that yeah Uh, but it's we've talked about this previously on the podcast and off air haven't we that we need to set the context for everything we're saying each week yeah but you can't give like the full context of the whole letter yeah but yeah absolutely. you did link back to where he starts there therefore since we have confidence since everything we've said is true yeah now let us do these things yeah the the emphasis on the Mm -hmm. imperatives so um next question how might you encourage someone who's struggling to live for jesus in their workplace who's struggling to um hold unswervingly to their hope so yes, that's right. one of the things we're urged to do yeah how would you encourage them to do that if they're finding that hard to do
1: uh i suppose i want to empathize, empathize <coughs> we both have kooky voices today <laughs> um i want to empathize with that person and say like i know what it's like to be in that position whenever uh you want to hold unswervingly to your hope, but actually you're feeling the pressure. I suppose my encouragement would be that living a double life is exhausting. Like wearing a mask mm. is exhausting. I suppose for that person who's struggling to hold fast to their confession in work, in school, wherever it may be, you'd almost want the drip feed in the fact that you're a Christian. So that's a good place to start if you're in a new place perhaps and you think no one even knows that I'm a Christian here. If you just mention going to church on Sunday, if you mention about perhaps reading your Bible in the morning, pre- praying, those little steps can take us a long way in terms of you are publicly professing the hope that you have, and I suppose more importantly, pray for the Lord's help. That would be my sort of yeah. top tip, pray for the Lord's help.
0: Mm. Yeah, And that, that's what the word should be doing, should it, as, as it's encouraging us, challenging us, convicting us we don't just sit with that feeling do we we keep turning back to the lord in prayer yeah. over it and asking for his help i think that's good yeah so um you mentioned about um there being kind of a there's a wrong response there's a danger of sort of just settling in for the ride on the escalator in the christian life yeah what might be the signs in our lives that we're just settling in for that ride on the escalator
1: yeah good question i think it's there's a the danger obviously where we don't think about life as an escalator ride and we we want to do everything but i think we can notice it in ourselves whenever it's almost being a consumer christian isn't it whenever we're only interested in what we can receive what we can get out of church out of our relationship with the lord and not thinking about uh other people so i suppose that sort of selling in for the ride on the escalator is sort of um low desire to meet with other christians a low enthusiasm Mm. or passion for the lord it's it's sort of just thinking i said on Sunday dinner almost like a lone ranger life where you're just like okay i've been saved and one day i'll get to heaven but there's not there's nothing for me to do until then Mm. um yeah
0: because the yeah read rightly this book doesn't let us go to either of those extremes does it no, exactly so who's recently you talked about being spurred on obviously and who who's recently spurred you on dave who, you know who's been a to use your phrase a catalyst to love and good deeds who, yeah. who's, who does that, or what sort of people do that for you
1: i mean as in as valentine's day got to win the brownie points obviously my wife does that for me but um as thing outside of uh, the bridge church i'm out with a young person on sunday from my church in oxford so i was as youth leader five or six years ago, I met up with him in Bath. And like now he's a fourth year student at Bath. And he really spurred me on in the sense that he loves the Lord and he's still going. Um, so literally just seeing him and chatting to him, I was like, Oh, he's still a Christian, That encouraged me to keep going, that my labor's not in vain. And I also had a, a car journey with someone from an organization called growing young disciples. Um, and just talking about youth work and how to equip our teenagers and the parents in our church to help our youth keep living for Jesus. I suppose those would be two, two main ones. Literally, I didn't do anything. I was just physically there, and their presence and their conversation encouraged
0: me. Yeah. So, what about you? Uh. Oh well, yeah. What about me? Um. Well, it's it's definitely, and again, I'm not just saying this because Valentine's Day. It's the 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 greatest and most consistent. Uh, spur on it in my life as, as being calf for for decades now um oh. and <laughs> well it's, it, it's true and uh i've got you know I've, I've got friends in ministry i meet up with from time to time they'll really encourage me guys in the fraternal you know i've got you on the staff team so ha- having another full-time elder has been a huge encouragement mm. um, and the other the other elders do as well and there's people in the church that do and I, i'm not just talking about um and i guess you weren't just talking about this the positive encouragement as well done you're doing a your job good job keep going <laughs> there's the flip side to that it's like come on Matt I mean what are you what are you thinking here yeah <laughs> what uh it can be um the urging can be quite a, a strong thing sometimes an uncomfortable thing yeah but you need that too so the encouragement and the urging I think we all need a range of people in our lives doing it. Uh, you know, I think of the guys I meet in ministry and it's it's so good to meet them, but mm-hmm. that's that's often months and months gap between yeah. you can't I can't just rely on them. We need to rely on each other. Yeah. In the elders, the staff team in the church. Um but yeah. yeah. Going full circle, de- definitely Kath is the main person who's, who humanly speaking who who spurs me on. Yes. Kath it, and family.
1: It was funny actually recently I was miserable about something and I'd completely lost perspective. And uh this is i can't believe i'm confessing this amy was like shall we pray about it and i was like i don't want to <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and she went no, it's an honest response if uh, you can't be that honest with his spouse <laughs> who can you be honest with
1: and she went well i'll pray and then during her prayer she went lord pray that um you would help us keep perspective mm. and, I, and i was like she didn't say she didn't say it to me like she could have easily just been like dave you've completely lost perspective yeah. but it's funny how in prayer mm. you can say things and i heard it so much better that she was praying it to the lord i was yeah. like oh yeah i've completely
0: lost my perspective well, i can't remember <laughs> where i heard this that's brilliant by the way um, <laughs> i can't remember where i heard this now it was recently um but oh i th- that's right in the dynamics of biblical change that i'm doing the the course that i'm doing right now yeah. david polison paulison i need to find out how you say his name he um he was making the point that um we we need to bring um, our prayers and our, our Christian life and our meditations need to be more of a conversation with the Lord, and that, that bringing other people in on that conversation. Yeah. So that when we're praying, it's not just the two of us praying horizontally to mm. God; it's we, we're doing it in each other's presence. And I'm talking to the Lord about you, and you're talking to the Lord about me. Mm. That there's that to make prayer more conversational in the right sense. Yeah. I think it's such an important thing to do, and that's a. Yeah. Great example of that. Yeah. So yeah, people who are gonna pray with you. That, yeah. That's massive, isn't it? Um okay. What what if someone says they don't know how they could spur other people on? Yeah. I get it's um in simple in one sense, in the sense of like you said on Sunday, turn up. Yeah. That's a massive part of it. Yeah. But what do I do once I'm there? What, what does that look like in detail? What what do you say to the people not sure how to do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a deep bend sort of thing in the sense of push past sort of surface level conversation so yeah it's easy to talk about the kids or the rugby whatever it may be but pu- pushing through and asking how can i be praying for you this week mm. or in light of what you've talked about say why don't we just pray now i think that would be that would be great to see after a service on sunday more and more to see us pushing past the sort of surface level conversation yeah. um, and i suppose I don't think you can neglect just how like just being there does so much, doesn't it? Mm. So it is as simple as turn up and you have no idea what just your presence, especially if people know in your life group, for example, what's going on and you're there, they'll be like, oh, they've still come to church despite everything that's going on. Mm. It's quite easy, isn't it? Whenever life is really hard, we, we might say I just couldn't come to church this morning in light of everything. Actually, that's, that's the best place to be, Yeah, show, show up. And people see that even in the midst of all the hardship, being together, hearing God's word, being encouraged to think about Jesus is more, like that's better than yeah.
0: being at home. I'm, th- I'm thinking back to what you know, Liz, for example, shared at the Life Groups meeting some weeks back. I about, nearly,
1: I nearly talked about Liz yeah. in the sermon on Sunday, but then I thought I hadn't asked her, so yeah,
0: I didn't. And I just, I mean, I'm mentioning it now, and I didn't asked her. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's different but, for in a certain yeah. And it, and you know, she said it in a, it was, it was public in the sense that it was in that life groups meeting, wasn't it? But that was the gist, wasn't it? That yeah. uh, the thing that's been a huge encouragement for her is to 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 be in small group, for example, and just those other people be there and yeah. to be encouraged by each other's presence. Yeah, that's massive. Um, hmm. But drilling down a bit more, how, yeah. how do we spur one another on in a in a Sunday service? Yeah. So it's all great. Have those go beyond the surface service stuff after the meeting. Yeah. All right? during the meeting. How, how are we spurring each other on then? Yeah. Uh,
1: probably the most obvious one is to sing our hearts out. Like that is a great way to spur one another on, isn't it? To actually vocally hear one another, look around whenever you're singing. Because sometimes, okay, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Sometimes you can think, the person with their eyes closed like that is that they are the most spiritual person enjoying worship, which is great, isn't it? Could be but, asleep. Could be asleep. But actually, <laughs> whenever you're singing, look, whenever you look around and say, oh, we all are singing the same things, we believe the same things. Yeah. That's just as encouraged. Whenever I see people eyes open, that's just as encouraging as people mm. who have their eyes closed. Um, yeah. I suppose I'm always encouraged by people who message before the Sunday service and say that they've been praying for the service. I think that's really helpful. Um, I suppose this is much more like as a preacher, (laughs) I am massively spurred on whenever I look at people and it's clear that they're listening or they're engaging. So, um, (laughs) Hawkins said to me yesterday, he was like, Dave, I think it was 20 times you said, look down. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, "Good feedback." And then I listen back. I said it fifteen times, um, but actually, I'm really encouraged whenever I say, "Look down," and I see people look down. Who are actually looking there? Or yeah. I hear, I say, "Oh, turn to this," and you hear the pages rustling. Mm. That actually really spurs me on as a preacher. Yeah. Um. So that's not to say, like, still be who you are. Like, if you are a frowner, like me, during a sermon, like it's okay to be a frowner. But actually, we. Is a give and take in a sermon, isn't it? Like we yeah. interact with the congregation in front of us. Mm. Would would that be fair?
0: Definitely. And I I think it also helps you to listen if you're trying, uh, if you're trying to be an engaged, encouraging listener. I'm saying this as mainly as a preacher now, but yeah. as someone who sits and listens to, when you're when you're seeking to do that, it actually helps you listen better and more actively anyway. Yeah. So everybody benefits, don't they?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, again, that's quite. So that's subjective advice, like there's nothing in the scriptures that say "Um, smile when the preacher is preaching, because some of the stuff is hard but I suppose that's there's lots of different ways to spare one another on, isn't there? Yeah. And that's, for me that's what gives me a little mushroom on Sunday morning
0: <laughs> <laughs> And so th- this is all about us meeting together right? So verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, yeah. but let's encourage one another Yeah Um. What if we get out of the habit of meeting together i mean i'm partly asking this because i've become aware of people recently um and uh, not so much own church but actually talking to people um about people from their churches who haven't been for ages yeah. and then find it really hard to go back yeah um what happens if we get out of the habit of meeting together um really simply
1: we're in the habit of not meeting mm. so we are in a habit of Oh, I love a sun, Sunday morning lion. I love, um, you know, <laughs> the breakfast that I have. I lo- th- those things become a habit. Oh, this is what we do on a Sunday morning. So then all of a sudden to give those things up is quite hard. Um, I think one of the most encouraging things I've heard recently about the habit of meeting together was we heard Simon Colick's testimony in our life group last week. And he said that for him, whenever he became as he was on his journey to becoming a Christian, he was like, I don't want to give up my Sunday mornings. Like, Mm. I love my Sunday mornings. (laughs) They're so precious. They're my time when I do all these different things, etc. And he said whenever he became a Christian, he loved the Lord Jesus and he wanted to be with Christians and he wanted to hear about Jesus. Mm. So he was like, oh, it wasn't even a sacrifice. He's like, I'm going to church on Sunday morning. So I think if you get out of the habit of meeting together, you're out of the habit of hearing god's word you're out of the habit of hearing about jesus you, you yeah so i think if you get out of the habit you're making a different habit um so i think it's the coal in the fire illustration isn't it if you take it out it gets cold very quickly and i suppose actually it's grace isn't it if you recognize that it's a pattern that you're not you're you're not being there so i think that's the thing hopefully we all have friends in our lives who would point out to us that you're getting out of the habit of meeting together yeah in particular on a sunday morning mm. yeah
0: yeah good and, and and on the the spurring one another on theme still on that yeah um can we spur one another on via technology so my me my head was going to uh zoom yeah. church and that there were obvious reasons for, for us doing church that way yeah um, back during the pandemic yeah but can we spur one another on via technology do we have to meet together physically? Those are questions that yeah. um, still arise. You know, we were at a conference recently, when we? And a lot of churches have still got yeah. that online element. Um, the, people, they, they're not managing to get them along physically. But yeah. They don't want to yeah. sort of cut the cord and switch off the live stream. So yes. what do they do? So what about online? Yeah. I think we obviously experienced the
1: goodness of that during the pandemic. Uh, so it's, it's unfair to roll out completely. Like, that's how... I, keep in contact with Tom and the isn't it? Mm, like that's yeah, exactly. that's really good. But I think it's helpful to think about it as suboptimal. So it's just not the same as physically being together. Um, yeah. Like Tom and the as encouraged as they are whenever they have a Zoom catch up with anyone, if someone physically shows up in patia, they're going to be massively encouraged, aren't they? Mm. So mm. I, th- I think I mentioned it on Sunday morning, how you just, can't experience one another through a screen like we are incarnational beings We're made to see one another so for me for example with lots of my friends and family we're on we're on the phone you know once a week or ever for a chat but the difference having my mom and dad over having my brothers over versus them on the phone you just get a sense of how they're actually doing what's going on in their lives is incomparable whenever you think about the two if you said to me you can have a phone call you know every yeah um, maybe i don't want to overstate this but if they said you can have a phone call with your older brother once a week for a month versus him coming for a week i'd be like give me the yeah. week yeah every day of the year yeah so
0: so that's the, so all other things being equal if you, you've got a choice between being there in the flesh, and not you're going to choose being in the flesh. and, yeah. the, and it's no coincidence that the Christian faith is a very physical faith. In one way, isn't it? We, we've got we've got a bread and a cup yeah. we drink from, and a, a loaf that we share. And you yeah. know, I can't <clears throat> I can't baptize a person yeah. over over Zoom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we have to be physically together to do it. Yes,
1: I think is like for some people who are really unwell or are bedridden, for example. Oh, yeah. Yeah. like some of those live streams are really helpful for. Mm. For people but yeah they, those people in the beds would be long and get back to yeah, exa- yeah exactly the congregation yeah be. yeah um,
0: so um to get to one of the harder bits and one of the harder questions about this passage i suppose why do we have this warning section in hebrews we got some quite uh, clear warnings here verse 26 if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and the raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. You know, it yeah. makes us think back to the warning passage in chapter six. Mm. If this is addressed to Christians, because you said that in passing on Sunday, this is a, this yes. is addressed to Christians. Yeah, And if it's true what, what I said some weeks ago that someone who's truly mm. a believer can't ultimately fall away, why have these warning sections?
1: Yes, I think really good question. I I probably yeah I mi- I think I misspoke on Sunday in the sense of, uh, it's majority Christians, but of course there's pretenders mm. in in every church. There's the yeah. visible and invisible churches in there. So there's he's right into the church who he says you guys are believers, mm. but there's pretenders amongst yeah. you. So, examine it's, yourself. It's right
0: in one sense, isn't it? That he's yeah. right into Christians and he's right into a bunch of professing Christians. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah.
1: So. Whilst this is supposed to disturb the comfortable, it's also a warning to those who aren't Christians, of those who are deceiving themselves through religion, those who have heard all these wonderful things about Jesus but are are prone to drifting away. So yeah. I think they're supposed to read this warning and scare them and to consider where they stand. So, mm. of course, God keeps the Christians. I'm, I, I didn't say, oh, it's Philippians 1, but mm. he who began a work and you will bring it to completion. Yeah. So... Yeah. It's supposed to scare. It's supposed to scare and encourage us as well.
0: So, so really, really the, the warnings are working on. Hopefully, working on the hearts. of, I guess two types of people, aren't there? The people who aren't who aren't really Christians yet. Yeah. Really in danger of drifting away and being lost.
1: Yeah.
0: And it and it might, in God's mercy, make them think. But also, like you said, complacent, comfortable, lax Christians. Yeah. It's not saying directly to them, "You can lose your salvation," but it might be something that God would use to to draw them back into a closer walk yeah 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 Um, yeah that's helpful thanks dave um verses 32 to 35 um which says remember those earlier days um sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult persecution sympathize with those in prison yeah uh joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property that that can all feel very distant from our current experience as christians in the uk um how's so how's that relevant to us today
1: yeah i i think it's not going to be too far from some of our experience in terms of persecution and public insults, but imprisonment and confiscation of property probably feels a bit far away. Um, <coughs> so we are aware that the things we believe are despised in the world. Mm. So I think in some ways, it's the Lord preparing us in some ways, like this is where some of these things lead to, eventually it will lead to this. Yeah. And I is it's also not irrelevant because our brothers and sisters across the world are experiencing this. Mm. So if you go on open doors, you'll read about the worldwide church experience in this, so we can pray perhaps, giving thanks, that we're not experiencing it to this degree. We can pray asking that the Lord will prepare us for this day, mm. and also we can pray for those who are experiencing it. Mm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, Gainer, uh, so hey, listen to question, yeah. get a drop on in. Gainer had a question about verse 37. Yeah. Um, this so, is the quote uh, from Habakkuk. Yeah, for in a very little while he who is coming will come and will not delay. Yeah. And good question, fair question. Will not delay. Hang on, it's been two thousand years. That definitely seems like a delay. So what's that "do not delay" bit about?
1: Yeah, Gainer came up to me after and said, "You didn't touch on this verse at all. <laughs> Where's he been?" Yeah. Which was a great question. And that last section was only like six or seven minutes long. So it's a a quote from Habakkuk, which our author then applies to Jesus, uh, and whenever. We think about this verse, We need to use other scripture to understand. You know, where has Jesus been? Like, this seems like a delay. So we read in two Peter, uh, three verse eight. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, two thousand years since Hebrews was written, it's like two days to the Lord, <laughs> yeah. which is incredible to think about, isn't it? So by that standard the Lord hasn't delayed at all
0: because what is two days? Yeah.
1: I, I think it's a helpful reminder of how different the Lord's perspective to time is yeah. than ours.
0: And the similar ideas come up in revelation, don't they? Yeah. That, you know, coming soon. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the sense that that's probably coming suddenly and yeah. also that God won't delay his plan by one second. He's not, there's going to be no delay to God's plan. Yeah. This all kind of rolls into the idea, doesn't it? Yeah. I think that's exactly a really good question. And there, yeah, thanks. Good answer, Dave. Um, so we had another listener question um yeah. and this this is about um so we had another listener question um yeah. and this this is about um verse 26 i think if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth there's no sacrifice for sins left yeah well sometimes uh this listener says my sin does feel deliberate i i can identify with that yeah for example i know i shouldn't gossip but sometimes i do i sin because i don't or can't or won't control my sinful nature Hmm. so you know you can imagine a christian sort of crying well help that sounds a bit scary if i deliberately sin i'm falling away well yeah am i you know am i lost then because i i do deliberately sin sometimes
1: yeah i think probably i could spend more time on this than Sunday didn't couldn't i uh that sort of idea of deliberately sinning is getting that idea across of giving up fighting like laying down your arms and saying, Uh you know," I almost the question shows that this person is a true Christian in that they acknowledge their sin and they want to fight it. Mm. So it's almost that sort of the complacency. If someone's gossiping and they say, "Well, that's just who I am," you know, God's not going to, do, God doesn't really care because He saved me by His blood. Doesn't matter. Who cares? How I'm to live? I think that sort of adage shows that we don't really understand what the Lord Jesus came to do. He came to sanctify us. That's what you talked about the previous week, wasn't it? That we are holy. Our position is absolutely certain, but our condition is to increasingly become more and more like the Lord Jesus. I think, I mean, whenever you think about deliberate sin, Jesus warned Peter, didn't he? That you're going to deny me three times. And Peter still did it.
0: Yes. But he was restored. Yeah. The power of the mercy of God, isn't it? Yeah.
1: David Bathsheba mm. Dr- deliberately yeah. knew what knew what he was doing was wrong. Did it anyway. Restored. Mm. I think that's all sort of, it's the one John stuff. Uh, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Yeah. Whenever we don't take sin seriously, it shows that we don't take mm. the Lord seriously.
0: So it's not about whether there are individual sins we might deliberately commit. Yeah. Um. That we need to repent of. It's it's about it's about pattern of life. It's it's about rejection of Christ, isn't it? Yeah. Because I, I was just reading through those verses again as you were speaking. Yeah. And of course there's a there's a covenant idea here, isn't there? You yeah. know, he says anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy, how much more severely yeah. someone who's punished uh deserved to be punished who's trampled the Son of God underfoot, who's so trampling the Son of God underfoot. And it's the idea here seems to me but it's rejecting the covenant. Yeah. The, that deliberate sin is rejecting the whole thing. I yeah. don't want Jesus anymore. Yeah. Don't want the law of Moses anymore in the old testament. Yeah. And that's what the deliberate sin means, isn't it? Yeah and like that's... the things you're talking about, that pattern of life. They're danger signs. If you're giving up fighting, if you're laying down your arms, they're danger signs that you might be in danger of completely rejecting that covenant. Yes. Because I mean, that's ultimately with this question,
1: it's such a helpful question, isn't it? But all, well, I was going to say all Christians know the law because it's written on their hearts. And we, we see it clearly in the word and yet we still sin. So you would say then all Christians are deliberately sinning forever. But that's not what the text no. is getting us towards.
0: And also, in our reply, we're not we're not trying to make light of deliberate sin here, are we? You, nope. know, you look at David and his deliberate sin with Bathsheba; there were lasting effects of that yeah. until he got to glory. Yeah. That that caused scars and damage, and it's it's a it's an unhealthy, even dangerous thing for a Christian to yeah deliberately and complacently sin. Yeah. But ultimately, we're thrown back on the mercy of God, aren't we? And if we're looking yeah. to Jesus. We don't have to fear yeah we're
1: on good ground
0: um we keep going back and forth in these polls then we go through hebrews and i think that's going to keep happening the the, the warning and the challenge and the, the scary bits but then as soon as we turn and look to jesus yes there's there's such deep deep peace there isn't there yeah
1: you said it very helpfully earlier whenever we were chatting that the hebrews as they heard this letter at points they were been going yes mm. and then you know five minutes later they've been going
0: Oh, yeah, don't I don't like. This I don't like
1: that at all, <laughs> and that's that's why we go through a book. You get the full full range of emotions yeah. and experiences,
0: yeah. and uh, more of the book, more of the picture next time. So be praying for me, please, because I've got Hebrews eleven, Hebrews a, a 11. absolutely lovely, amazing sh- chapter. Yeah. And I and uh, it's one of those occasions. I'm thinking, good grief, what on earth was I thinking, uh, <laughs> giving myself that much to preach in one go? So inevitably, we'll be skimming bits. But, yes. Um, we we'll look, look look forward to gathering around God's Word together on Sunday. and yes. uh, seeing you all then.
1: Yes, I'm on the bench now for
0: hey, a few weeks, isn't
1: it? After? Three weeks. Yeah, it must have been bad on Sunday, eh, Matt? <laughs> Stuck on the bench.
0: Yes, and, it's uh, long planned until Hebrews. So we've got we've got the two Tom's, have not we? Yeah, we've got a treat. we We're actually we're both been bench. That's the truth. Yeah, tonight. and quite happy to be occasionally in that sense. Yeah, nice breather. either. So um, yeah, looking forward to, to- well, I'd say I'd say the next several weeks not so much looking forward to uh, the Sunday but the, the two Sundays after yeah and uh we're we know God speaks yeah. and meets with us every time so see you then